It's August the 4th. Let's read the Bible. Friends, welcome back to this year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. Here we are, early days of August, the eighth month of the year. Hard to believe. We are coming up on two-thirds of the way through our journey through the Word of God. In just a little bit, we're going to get to the book of Job in the Old Testament. But before we do that, let me remind you that if you would rather listen to this as an audio podcast instead of watching the videos, easy to do. Just go to Spotify or Google Play or go to iTunes and look for Let's Read the Bible, and you will find the audio version of all of these Bible readings from January the 1st all the way through today, and God willing, we're going to add them through the rest of the year so that whether you're running or walking or riding your bike or driving your car, you can keep your eyes on the road, but you can listen as we read the Word of God together. Now, we've had so many wonderful comments uh, lately. Um, I wanted to read a couple of them to you today and just make comments on the comments. One person says, I pray for you. Please pray for me too. And there are two exclamation points there. We do. We do pray for you. We thank God for you. And thank you so much for your prayers. Um, the only reason I've been able to make it this far in my reading is because my friends, our friends have been praying for me. Then someone else says, just love to hear you each day. Thanks for your encouraging words amid all of these names. And then she says, God knows our name too. Great reading. Love the Bible bus. I think this comment must have come when I was reading all those names in the first part of First Chronicles. We appreciate your prayers. We appreciate your words of encouragement. And she says, love the Bible bus. Hey, I love being on the Bible bus too. Now, guess what? Today, we are hopping into the book of Job in the Old Testament, one of the greatest books in the Bible, a mysterious book in many ways. So what shall we say about the book of Job? Number one, this is a real story. There really was a man named Job. There really was the land of Uz. He really did have these three friends he called miserable comforters. I mean, it all happened exactly the way the Bible says. Now, it's true, it's history, and yet most of the book is not history as we think of it. Most of the book is written in Hebrew poetry. It's a debate between Job and his three friends. We'll get into that later as we get into the book. Just know number one, this is a real story. Number two, this book was apparently written about the time of Abraham. It bears the marks of the patriarchal period of biblical history. That means it would have been written. These events took place about 4,000 years ago. And we're told in the verse what in verse one of chapter one, there was a man in the country of Uz, Uz. That's not Oz. That'd be Oz, the land of Uz, which evidently was east of the Dead Sea in that wilderness area. Uh, it was very near, or perhaps part of what later in the Bible would be called the land of Edom, a land of Edom, probably somewhere uh, in modern day Jordan. This book, it deals with the question, why do the righteous suffer? And where is God when the righteous are suffering? And if, I, if you were asked me to give a, a theme verse for the book of Job, I think we could hardly do better than Job 23.10. When Job says, he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as 
go. He knows. God knows who you are. God knows where you are. God knows what you're going through right now. He knows the struggles of your heart. He knows the adversity you have been through. And when God has finished with his purposes, you will come forth from the affliction like gold. Now, we're going to find out, not today, but tomorrow, we're going to we're going to meet three of his friends. Well, we'll meet him today, then they're going to start talking tomorrow. One of them was a fellow by the name of Eliphaz the Temanite. That was east of the Dead Sea. Bildad the Shuhite, that's a group of people east of the Dead Sea. And then Zophar the Naamathite, also east of the Dead Sea. So Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar were Job's three friends. Way down later in the book, we're going to meet a young man by the name of Elihu, pretty much tells off the three friends, but also tells off Job as well. How shall we uh, How shall we divide this? Let me give you just three words. Big book, but a three-word outline. Disaster, chapters 1, 2, and 3. Debate, chapters 4 through 37. And then finally, deliverance, chapters 38 through 42. Disaster, debate, and deliverance. So without any Thing further. Let's just hop in and see how the story unfolds. Job chapter 1. There was a man in the country of Uz named Job. He was a man of complete integrity who feared God and turned away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. His estate included 7,000 sheep and goats, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large number of servants. Job was the greatest man among all the people of the east. His sons used to take turns having banquets at their homes. They would send an invitation to their three sisters to eat and drink with them. Whenever a round of banqueting was over, Job would send for his children and purify them, rising early in the morning to offer burnt offerings for all of them. For Job thought, perhaps, my children have sinned, having cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. One day, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with it. The Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered him and walking around on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity, who fears God and turns away from evil. Satan answered the Lord. And I stop here to say this question in Job 1.9. This is the question that frames the whole book. Job 1.9. Satan answered the Lord, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household and everything he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So, Satan left the Lord's presence. One day, when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and reported, while the oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing nearby, the Sabaeans swooped down and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported, God's fire fell from heaven. It burned the sheep and the servants, and devoured them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. That messenger was still speaking when yet another came and reported, 
the Chaldeans formed three bands, made a raid on the camels, and took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. He was still speaking when another messenger came and reported, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on the young people so that they died. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job stood up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. He fell to the ground and worshipped, saying, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. Job 2. One day, the sons of God came again to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord asked Satan, Where have you come from? From roaming throughout the earth, Satan answered him and walking about on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity, who fears God and turns away from evil. He still retains his integrity, even though you incited me against him to destroy him for no good reason. Skin for skin, Satan answered the Lord. A man will give up everything he owns in exchange for his life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord told Satan, he is in your power. Only spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence and infected Job with terrible boils from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery to scrape himself. While he sat among the ashes, his wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. You speak as a foolish woman speaks, he told her. Should we accept only good from God and not adversity? Throughout all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Now, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite, heard about all this adversity that had happened to him, each of them came from his home. They met together to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they looked from a distance, they could barely recognize him. They wept aloud. Each man tore his robe and threw dust into the air and on his head. Then they sat on the ground with him seven days and nights. But no one spoke a word to him because they saw that his suffering was very intense. Now Job chapter 3, first two chapters set the scene. The debates are going to begin in chapter 4, but Job is going to speak. He's going to speak to his friends after seven days of total silence. After this, Job began to speak and curse the day he was born. He said, May the day I was born perish, and the night that said a boy is conceived. If only that day had turned to darkness. May God above not care about it or light shine on it. May darkness and gloom reclaim it and a cloud settle over it. May what darkens the day terrify it. If only darkness had taken that night away. May it not appear among the days of the year or be listed in the calendar. Yes, may that night be barren. May no joyful shout be heard in it. Let those who curse days condemn it. Those who are ready to rouse Leviathan, may its morning stars grow dark. May it wait for daylight, but have none. May it not see the breaking of dawn. For that day did not shut the doors of my mother's womb. 
and hide sorrow from my eyes. Why was I not born? Still, why was I not still born? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Why did the knees receive me? Why were there breasts for me to nurse? Now I would certainly be lying down in peace. I would be asleep. Then I would be at rest with the kings and counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruined cities for themselves or with princes who had gold who filled their houses with silver. For why was I not hidden like a miscarried child, like infants who never see daylight? There the wicked cease to make trouble. And there the weary find rest. The captives are completely at rest. They do not hear a taskmaster's voice. Both great and small are there, and the slave is set free from his master. Why is light given to one burdened with grief, and life to those who exist, whose existence is bitter, who wait for death but it does not come, and search, search for it more than for hidden treasure, who are filled with much joy and are glad when they reach the grave? Why is life given to a man whose path is hidden, whom God has hedged in? I sigh when food is put before me, and my groans pour out like water, for the thing I feared has overtaken me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I cannot relax or be calm. I have no rest, for turmoil has come. You know, in reading this, maybe even more than other times I've looked at Job, it says in chapter 1, this idea of cursing God. Job offered sacrifices for his children, lest they should curse God. The Satan said, Job, if you touch him, he'll curse you. And Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? See, that set the stage for the question, Satan's question, which really frames the whole book, is just Job served God for nothing. That is to say, basically, you've paid him off. You've bought him off. That's Satan's implication. You've given him a wife, and you've given him kids, and you've given him prosperity, and you've made him great. I mean, he's got uh, all these animals. He's got this vast herd. He's got all these servants. He's got everything he needs. Who would to serve God? with all those blessings, just take them away one by one, and in the end, he will turn away from you. I uh, I suppose it's a good question to ask. I'm just going to let it, let it throw it out here. What would it take for you to turn away from the Lord? Something good to think about today. What would it take for you to turn away from the Lord? Job lost his belongings, he lost his buildings, he lost his flocks, he lost his herds, he lost his servants, he lost everything that made him great, and worst of all, he lost his own children. And for all of that, Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of of the Lord. And the text says, in all of this, Job did not sin. So I leave you today less with an exhortation than with a question. What does it take? What would it take for you to turn away from the Lord? Or is Jesus enough for you? Well, like the saying goes, you never know 
if Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And then and only then, when Jesus is all you have, then you finally discover Jesus really is all that you need. And in that certainty and in that confidence, friends, go out and have a great day. You've got to come back tomorrow because Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar, they got a thing or two they want to say to Job, and we're going to start those debates tomorrow. God bless. Have a great day. Come back and we'll start the great debate with righteous Job. God bless. See you then.